Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 127. I'm your Fire Emblem Addicted host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, disturbed by human generosity, Family Master, David McBurney. <laughs> and calling in from Japan with his very own co-host on his elbow right now, trying to get her to sleep, uh, Michael Baker, Gaiji Monogatari. And this is Leona. Hey, Leona. Hey. Okay, yes. <laughs> she woke up about 20 minutes ago, and... We have not put her, I have not been able to put her back to sleep since. <laughs> she was ready to podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she has just started smiling at things. Nice. They're like, aw. Okay. So, what's our questions? Uh, what is the greatest tactical strategy RPG of all time from Budai? Oh, that's um, jump right into that. Which, which which variety of tactical are we talking about? Um, oh let's, no! Let's no. Let's not, debate. let's not get too picky. Okay. Anything uh, that could fit into that general category. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I've, I've played so many tactical RPGs of multiple um, flavors that it's hard to say exactly which one would be the best. But I've got some favorites. Yes, I do. I guess pick your favoritist then. Okay. Um, Oh, let's see. Well, yeah, this is a harder question than I thought, isn't it? Yes. Uh huh. Um, Well, you know, I I like some. I liked. Knight of Lotus and Final Fantasy Advan- Tactics Advance. It's about the choices. Yeah, I mean, they're made by the same people, mostly, so. I think Knight of Lotus is the last time that the name Quest actually appeared on a video game. Mm. I was going to say, I wonder if people are going to yell at us for liking Tactics Advance so much, but we've mentioned it a lot, and no one it hasn't come up. No so. one has yet yelled at us, so I think we're safe. I, I mean, yeah, the land make system in Advance was a bit rough but everything else worked quite well so yeah i mean i loved it but, yeah i'm a fan yeah people, so people yeah okay we can, general did we can agree on the basics here yeah okay well then for things that you have not played that i liked um uh mark of the mermaid <laughs> mark which was of a the mermaid which is a survival horror tactical rpg I remember this one. Yeah, where there were several levels where it was infinite spawning zombies. Huh. Uh, as soon as you killed one, one would pop up in a predetermined spot, quite often behind your own line. Um, and quite a few battles were simply survive long enough to make it to this point of the of the battle screen. It, it was fun. Hmm. It was also 110% Lovecraftian horror. Um, one of the one of the secondary characters was a grad student from Miskatonic University, Arkham Campus. <laughs> she almost got herself sacri- um, sacrificed by mad fish folk um, cultists. <laughs> That's how you met her. She was kind of tied to a stake at the time. Yeah. Um, completely different tone, theme, execution, and system. Uh, uh, Kakarembo Battle Monster Tactics, the hide-and-go-seek RPG. (laughs) 
square. Into it. Yes, you you laid a squad of three into a um, into a dungeon with absolutely no light source except for your own flashlights. Um, and you can only move one character per turn. And yes, and you have a time limit for how long you can move, keep the, move them, keep them moving. Um, so it's. It has some of the best ex uh, uses of lines of sight I have ever seen in anything predating 2005. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's a Game Boy Color game. And the next closest thing I could think to compare it to was actually codenamed Steam. Huh. Huh. Um, not nearly as good as that, but you get the idea where enemies can literally just walk straight past you without seeing you. If you plan your lines of sight right. Very complex for a Game Boy Color game. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side, the story was almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. It was actually quite fun. Hmm. Okay. So how about you, Wheels? Any favorites? Oh, lots of favorites. If I'm going to answer the actual question and say what is the greatest of all time, I'm just going to say uh, Tactics Ogre, um, the... The remake, Wheel the of remake. Fortune? Yes. The remake for PSP, which is fantastic. Uh, but I mean, lots of favorites beyond that. Um Obviously, I loved Shining Force growing up. Mm-hmm. Played a ton of that. Um, Fire Emblem Fates is freaking awesome. Is that? Um, what else would I put up there? Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Final Fantasy Tactics. Um. This uh, guy is three and four. That's unsurprising. Yes, only three and four would go in the, the top. Just to, just to make sure that people are still angry. Yes. I might make a case for, shockingly, the sequel to one. <laughs> Dim dimension that. two. Yes. The one that time has since forgotten? I haven't forgotten it. I'm just saying, when they went back to re-release something from before 5 on Switch and PC, they were like 1 and then 4, but not Dimension 2. That's true. It's very, very true. Uh, Harsh. Uh, what about you? What's, what do you think is the greatest, best, undisputed tactical RPG of all, all time? I feel like I should put in some rep for Final Fantasy Tactics because, I mean, seriously. But outside of that, I don't know. I'll put in, like, some of my preferred uh, Super Robot Wars games, like Second OG, deserve at least a discussion. Just for the sheer insanity of how they managed to fit all those different robots into the same plot. Yeah. Hmm. 
sorry, I had to step out for a second. Uh, but yeah, like partially the plot, partially just for the uh, sumptuous high-budget 2G- 2D animation. Uh, but yeah, like... Uh, but if you wanted to, like, a recommendation on the licensed ones, like some of those, uh, like Z1 or some of the Alpha games, or even the most recent one, T, are all quite good as far as, like... I can't in good conscience say they're the best, but they're some of my favorites, so. Yeah. I mean, most of the Super Robot Wars games I've played were either, or actually mostly quite old ones. I mean, I, I played um, Maso Kijin, I played uh, Battle Robo Retsuden, which is like the prototype. Yeah, those uh, the really old ones are very hard to go back to. Basically, any of the ones that were still developed by Wikisoft are a little uh, rough. <laughs> well, I mean, Battle Robo Retsuden was kind of weird because it had hex grids for combat, and it actually had one of the better uh, what's the right word here um, justifications for having multiple series characters in one place, though. Did they, uh, how did they go about it in that one? I admit I'm not super familiar um, with that. Well, in that story, the in the present time of the game, um, several centuries before, the former global government had created basically a defensive network of robots. Yeah. In the, in the random event of an alien invasion or something, I can't remember exactly why they made it. But yeah. as it turns out, the scientists in charge of the project were all massive mecha anime nerds. <laughs> and so when it came time to decide what these robots would look like, they just modeled them all off of their favorite TV shows. Wow. And then um, when they were trying to come up with uh, personality profiles for the clone soldiers who were um, sealed in with the robots to pilot them, they just started imprinting them with like, memories based on the characters from the TV shows. Wow, someone went to a lot of trouble, because, like, most of the time they're just like, eh, it just all take place in the same world now. <laughs> no, Battle, I mean, Battle Robo Redston had only, like, six series to work with, I think. Yeah, that helped make it a little easier. I don't know, I mean, this justification would have worked a lot better with several of the larger cast games, too. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. But, yeah, the... But the entire reasoning was that, hey, the guys in charge of this project so many centuries ago were massive nerds about an obscure uh, media series of seri- meta series from several centuries before that, and you know how scientists are, haha. Um, yeah. I just need to see what's actually in Battle Robo Rotterdam. I assume just a handful of like the mainstays, probably like. Um, you had. Um, I'd guess well, Gundam Mothing or that There was a major thing with um, trying to recover Shar Aznable's robot before the enemy side could. As always. Because the, the pilots imprint on whoever activates them first. Uh, of course. Which is how several characters ended up on opposite sides, even though they were friends in the, their original version. Oh, so there's, there's a bit of angst for that. Yeah, that's a cute idea. They don't. Uh, they basically never do that, so it's kind of interesting. Um, Dunbine, that was one of the other oh, ones. Oh, or Battler. So, yeah, the original Gundam, there was Dunbine, there was a few others that I don't actually remember anymore. Yeah. Like, Dunbine was one that they often had access to in the 90s. Uh, like, again, I'm gonna guess Mazinger's probably in there. Yes. But, other than that, maybe, uh, Dytarn. 
tended to show up a lot. I should look this up rather than run my mouth off. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It's, it was a Famicom game for what it's worth. Um, the data I'm seeing says Super Famicom, but I mean, sorry, Super Famicom. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Zeta Gundam, um, Zabungle, which I couldn't never remember. Dunbine, L Game or L Game, Zambot, Dietarn. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this sorry. is just this is Tamino Fest. Yeah, that's probably how they got them all together. But yeah, it was a yeah. Wikisoft. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is basically the, the prototype of Super Robot Wars. By 95, which is what I'm seeing for data on when this came out, there were a couple Super Robot Wars, but it wasn't like a going concern at that point. Yeah. Okay, Let's. how about this? A prototype for, mod, for the better improved Super Robot Wars. Yeah, 95 would have been just before they started moving to the, them to the PlayStation and they started to actually kind of get better. Because <laughs> those early ones are rough. Yeah, I thought the first one was like a Game Boy game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the very first one's a Game Boy game, and that doesn't even acknowledge who's piloting any of the robots. It's very, very yeah. early, and it has basically no... So, like, usually they'll have, like, an overriding plot line so that no villain faction is treated as the real one and no hero is given more importance. But the villain of that one is just a thing called Dark Brain that shows up right at the end. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. So, yeah, th this one definitely has a better story than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, this is... Very obscure, even by Super Robot Wars fandom standards, so I appreciate you uh, bringing this to my attention. Hey, I used to have it for... actually used to have it on cartridge. I don't think I ever beat it, but... Yeah, I mean, that's why I remember stuff like... Like, it, recovering Char's... Um, Char's mech was like a three-battle arc, plot arc. Hmm. Yeah, where it was like you thought you had it, and then they... The other side swooped in, and they were slowly dragging it square by square across the battle, and you're trying to catch up with them. That's really neat. <sighs> yeah, big fan of those. Wanted to stick up for them just a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've also been... You know, the, um, the JRPG thing I've been doing on Twitter, I've just been remembering all of these old games... And quite a few of them were tactical, and not all of them were very good. <laughs> um, but some of them were more interesting than others. There was, like, Tactics Lair, which was the combination visual novel and tactical game that was a good example of synergy because its two halves were just not that good separately. <laughs> Worked quite a bit better together. Yeah. 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 Or... Uh, Oh, random things. Hamatora, the anime spin-off tactical RPG, was kind of fun. Hmm. Actually, it was really fun. They just needed more battles. Um, yeah. Oh, you're always a wealth of the obscure stuff that we just never got and no one cared about in English. <laughs> yep. Speaking of which, it is... like. 11-something in Central Standard Time, so I need to just put up the last one of these before, <laughs> it's, before it's officially not JRPG July anywhere on the planet. Doing it live! Yes, so let's see. 
roll the dice. What do we got here? What is this? What number is this? Three, four. Saga 2. Woohoo! No, that's a good one. I think this is actually the first Saga game I've put on this thing. Huh. Which, I mean, okay, so I've only actually... I've only actually done reviews for three of them total. Mm-hmm. Four if you count um, Legend of Legacy. We do. <laughs> oh, we do. So is that, is that your review of the remake, or is that a... Did you do a review of the original? Remake. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I could have done a, a review of the original as well. I've played it enough times. Um, of course, doing this one-handed is not that easy. <laughs> but I know as soon as I put her down somewhere, she's going to wake up again. Start up the next question. Sure. All right. This is also from Budai. Do you think confusing storylines in RPGs are intentionally surreal? Or do you think the writers are attempting to make a story for everyone to understand and missing the mark? Depends on the game. I was going to say yes, but I mean a whole lot of JRPG plot lines stem from 1990s anime tropes. Yeah, seriously. The 1990s is when you get all the really fun Gnostic stuff in. I was just reading about the founding of Gynax. And... <laughs> it's more than just oversized boobs. It's definitely. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun, uh, quick read if anyone can get a hold of it. No tanky <laughs> memoirs. It's very, very like, how did you survive as a company? Mm-hmm. But I mean... I'm remembering things like in the first first few episodes of Sergeant Frog, the manga, they were making, they had an entire plot line based on a particular prediction of Nostradamus. <laughs> which turned out to reference the new major character who was coming in in that episode. <laughs> and th th this was the kind of thing that was in public consciousness enough during the 90s that you could put it in a random uh, manga. Yeah, it's one of those things it's hard to think about how much people just, like, were expected to have casual knowledge of, like, Nostradamus, he made a bunch of weird predictions, and then here's something. Maybe it's maybe it's a real one, maybe it's not. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's just, it's... Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, Evangelion or, or pretty much anything from the 90s in anime output, and you will see tons of mysticism, Gnosticism, pseudo-theosophy, all sorts of really random stuff. And it all bleeds over into the JRPG genre. I mean, yep. um, Live Alive, did you ever play that one? Yeah, it's really neat. And full of that. <laughs> yeah, they... Um, it was like, if I remember right, they had one, one of the lives in the game was based, it was very obviously a parody of Akira. <laughs> with oh, yeah, a, with a side like order of Evangelion thrown in. 
Yeah, and then there was another the... one that was actually the movie Alien. Go figure. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, so like, especially in 90s plots, the answer is usually, yes, it is meant to be confusing. Uh, I think I nowadays, because nowadays, the entire light novel genre still follows a lot of these tropes. I think like is, the, the yeah. light novels are kind of like half split between being really complicated and really, really simple. But the ones that are being adapted into games are usually the complicated ones. The ones where it will inevitably end with the protagonist suddenly somehow gaining the power to rewrite local or total reality and rebooting a universe. As you do. That's healthy. That's fine. It had. I mean, I, when I was playing um, uh, Dengeki Gakuen Cross of Venus, the Get the game that was completely based on light novels crossovers. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I was just looking up the the basic plots for some of this series that they were mentioning. I'm like, okay, th this is the third one in a row that ends up with reality getting rebooted. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, I think also you will sometimes find that it's just like the answer is oops, but as often <laughs> as not, it's very intentionally like, yeah, it's just supposed to be confusing. Like, Or, or in the case of Zenogiris, oops, you ran out of money. Yeah, like sometimes you'll get both. Masato Kato games tend to be both because like Chrono Cross is oops, I didn't actually edit together all these scripts, I just took parts of each of them. <laughs> Yeah. There's a well, I mean, in, Chrono, like Cross that game would... okay. Chrono Cross was also, oops, we hired a fanfic or a guy to produce his own personal fanfic. It's like the thing, the thing about Cross that always you run into is that like, if it was told properly, it would still be confusing, but it's also a game that's like characters keep making references to versions of the script that don't exist anymore. <laughs> Which for so, a like, game involving multiple timelines and chronologies that actually kind of almost works if it, if it was done more consciously it would actually be kind of like meta brilliant but it's mostly just like confusing and weird yeah. it's just like characters referencing things that are clearly supposed to be there because like they haven't actually dimension jumped in this case mm -hmm. yeah and that's why Lynx shouts at you that you're the chrono trigger, and then, then that phrase never means anything ever again in the game. <laughs> but, yeah, so it, it's one of those things where, like, a lot of times also you'd run into this situation where, like, some of these ideas were probably put into the plot as a hook without any idea of how they'd be resolved, so the game doesn't care that much about how they get resolved. I'm thinking of, like... To, to call up a game that is quite infamous, uh, Legend of Dragoon has its plot started by a creature called the Black Monster. <laughs> and then and in the fourth disc, it's resolved what that is. And then, like, your character gets their personal resolution for it. But by that point, that 
that part of the plot has not existed basically since disc one. It just sort of has to resolve somewhere. Actually, if I remember right, the black monster was like an actual, um, she, she's actually one of your own party yeah, members. Yeah, it is one of your party members and you get the choice to and, like forgive them. And she is specifically tasked with hunting down the entity oh, that will rise up it. as new dominant species of the planet and destroy humanity. And it turns out to be one of your other party members. Yeah, yeah, it's the moon child. But yeah, like it's one of those things where like between those two points, it's basically never brought up. So it's just really weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it ends up being a case of like, we needed something to set this plot in motion. And we didn't really have a lot of plans for how to address it afterwards. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, when I'm thinking back to older games, sometimes I have trouble remembering what was actually in the game and which parts are my brain just making it make sense. Yeah, like that's one of the other things about this. I've, like I've had, I've had conversations on things like Wild Arms 2 where I got a lot more out of the plot than anyone else I knew did because I was apparently writing in details in my brain without realizing it. Yeah, a lot of those, like... They tend to just sort of gloss over things that they, like, either just don't have time to develop or lose interest in or forget about. Yeah. And so, like, you will find that it, if you're looking at people's accounts of the plot, it can actually be very hard to disentangle what's actually in there. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I remember I remember Legend of Dragoon as having an actual, an actual interesting core plot line and some good twists, but the execution was weird. Yeah, it... it kind of spins its wheels and just sort of goes into strange places for large portions of its plot. There's there's some neat stuff in there, especially if you're a fan of FF7 and or Power Rangers. But I mean, there was quite yeah. a bit of crossover between a lot those overlap. Like, a lot, lot of overlap. Yeah. I mean, that's why I freaking bought it. Like, yeah. hey. But, yeah. Uh, like, that's that's just one of those ones that comes up in my mind. It's like, this is something that was put in because it drives the plot. Like, a lot of these have these kind of, like, not thoughtless, but sort of, like, we just need to get to the next plot point. Like, writing styles, like, it's set piece to set piece. So they will have just bits that never come back up because they only existed to move things to the next point, like, the next point that the game wanted you to be at. Yeah. Okay. So, what was our actual question again? <laughs> we left that part. Uh, uh, something confusing stuff. Things. It was about whether plots were confusing intentionally or whether it was uh, because they were trying to tell a straightforward plot and messed up. Yeah, that. <laughs> no, the, the answer is they're confusing because the writers decided they wanted to get really cool and meta and be like their favorite anime series writers and did not necessarily have the ability to back this up at first. <laughs> I mean, stuff like Tales of Fantasia originally being somebody's oh fantasy light novel. And it reads like one. <laughs> and it, and he got really upset because Namco made them take out large sections of the plot in order to fit into one game. Rip tail Fantasia. Um, no, I mean, large, a lot of the sections that were not mentioned in the original game got put into Narakiri Dungeon. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Which is how we find out um, what's his face the the bad guy's actual. Douse. Thank you, Douse, A large part of Douse's backstory is known through Narikiri Dungeon. 
that's not a great game. Um, well, I mean, the Game Boy game is awful, of course, but I, I still have, I need to try the P- PlayStation Portable remake because that the looked version, a lot better. The version of the combat system in the PSP remake of Fantasia that I saw in video looked good, so maybe they can... I would imagine that combat system is used in both parts of the remake, so maybe that's pretty good. Oh, I mean, they would have to remake, have to do something new with the remake's battle system because the original game's battle system was actually just turn-based combat with the three characters in a row, standing in a row. I just really appreciate the fact that Narakiri Dungeon X, because it contains Tales of Fantasia, means that there are two completely different versions of Tales of Fantasia for the PSP. Mm-hmm. Incredible hubris. Well, that's that's Namco. Yeah. Good old Namcot. Bandot, or Bamco. Yeah, they would have been Bamco by then. Any time in... Well, it's a late PSP game anyway, so yeah. In my mind, that's always a recent merger, even though it's been like 15 years at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was reading recently that Sega apparently almost merged with Bandai in like 1997. I believe it. Because Bandai kind of wanted Sega on board to help them launch the Wonder Swan. <laughs> so, okay, never mind. That would have been a very bad idea. That would have been real bad, but it would have been completely hilarious. <laughs> and that would have also been sweet. We could get all these Gundam games on freaking Saturn. I mean, there was already tons of those, but even more so. <sighs> what a story. Um, yeah, uh... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> okay. Well, then, what was the weirdest uh, story you've ever seen in an RPG? Uh, you're like, you're going to have... Whatever comes up, you're going to be number one with a bullet, because it's going to be something that didn't come out in English. <laughs> I will I will withhold any comments until the end. <laughs> Let's see. You got any wheels? Uh, Thinking... That sounds like no. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Hello? 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 Uh, Hello? Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're still recording. I don't know. Can anyone hear me? Yes. Kind of? You're kind of roboting. Okay, uh, my internet is uh, on the fritz. I don't really know huh. what's going on. That's a problem. Yeah. We It's recording locally, though, so don't worry about recording. Okay. okay. Uh, I do still cannot think of a weird RPG, the weirdest RPG story. I'm trying to think of something good. Uh... Like, my usual go-to is just the strange places that, like, Wild Arms 2 goes to by the end. But, I mean, that's still well within, like, traditional JRPG. It's just getting kind of weird with it. Yeah. Uh, um, hmm. What's something that actually came out in America that'd be really, really weird? 
Oh, um, uh, what the hell is the name of that Saturn game again? Uh, Dark Savior. Oh, jeez, that game's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope you... I, I love the idea of deciding the entire course of the game about three minutes into it. But that's such a weird choice. That's such a weird choice. I would argue it's not a good one either. <laughs> but whatever. I'm not passing a value judgment so much as talking about how strange that idea is as a whole. Yeah. Like, here's the first boss. Did you get to it fast enough? You go this way. Did you not get to it fast enough? You go this way. Did you die to it? You go a third way. <laughs> wow. Climax was a special company that did strange things like release a game called Lady Stalker and it not be about what you think it is. I remember Lady Stalker. That was fun. Um, how about Baroque? Oh, Baroque. It's like, you wake up. Hey, you're dead. Everyone else is dead, too. Here's a gun. Go up the tower, kill God. <laughs> we're not going to tell you how to do it, and in fact, we're going to... Everyone in town is going to specifically lie about random stuff, and you can't always tell. Uh, but you have... But you will have to, you will have to somehow hit more plot flags than there are random riddles in an ancient Egyptian pyramid with mummies coming after you in order to figure out how to move up certain levels. So it's like, Tower of Draga. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, just joking around. Yeah. yeah. And occasionally, dying is in fact how you advance the plot. Sounds about right. Uh, thinking of, uh, this was just on the tip of my tongue. Uh, oh, Tsukunai Atonement. That's kind of a weird one Which that one? I, Tsukunai Atonement. It's a early PS2 RPG by Cattle Call. So what was the title? I didn't quite hear it. Tsukunai Atonement. Tsukunai Atonement? Yeah. Which was, okay. It's an early PS2 RPG by Cattle Call, and it is a game where you uh, your character like climbs a tower and pisses off a local god who casts them out of their body and forces them to possess people to solve their problems in order to earn the right to have their body back. Just a cute little concept. Okay, I didn't know this one at all. Yeah, it's neat. Dude. It's not amazing, but it's neat. I think it has a Yasunori Mitsuda soundtrack, which is also kind of nice. Hmm. Atlas. Oh, fun. Okay, makes some sense. Yeah, Atlas published it in the US. I think it was like Sony published in Japan. It came out right before FF10 and got completely slaughtered. Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's neat. It's, it's not earth-shaking, but it's different. You won't play a lot of games like it, so... Yeah. Okay, so you want to hear a good one or two? Sure. Yes. Oh, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare Project Yakata. Of course. Yes, the one that's based on the mystery novel series. Um, so it starts off with um, the four, the first four main characters arriving on a small island by boat um, for a dinner party, and the hostess leads off by saying that her father, the famous architect who's been missing for years now. <coughs> created these four mansions across Japan that are actually like energy sinks for nightmare energy 
and that they're about to go off and release an elder chorer. Hmm. And that she wants you to go and help get rid of them. And everyone's like, okay, what are you smoking, lady? And then uh, the next morning, you wake up to find out she's been murdered in her room with the door locked. Oh. Hmm. I love a good locked room mystery. Also, that's a shame that they didn't listen to her. <laughs> oh, oh, it gets better. It gets better. So, oh um, so the little building near the, the manor on this island turns out to have portals that lead to each of these mansions. And each of them actually has a connection to one of the four main characters. Huh. And while you're at each of these places, the character with that particular connection is gaining levels like a good order of magnitude faster than everyone else. <laughs> but as soon as you finish the level and come back to the place and stay a night, that character disappears. That seems like a problem. <laughs> it seems like a problem. Well, as it turns out, um, the house that you're staying at is, in fact, the fifth house, the one that's supposed to destroy the planet. Oh. Um, and the lady who invited you in, um, well, she's not human. She's not alive. She is, and um, she was, in fact, murdered by your main character who was time-traveling through the fourth through the fourth house by accident. And <laughs> came across her, That um, he traveled back in time to her closet by accident, huh. and witnessed her talking to herself in a mirror, and the mirror side was actually the Eldritch Abomination. And he huh. tried to kill her, and it didn't work. Wow. And um, it, it, the house has been eating your party. Oh, good. Because you've been, um, because the heroes have been absorbing the nightmare energy from the different houses while they're there fighting stuff. What a nightmare project. Yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. This is before we get into the details of each of the dungeons where they are... They have, like, the first the first house is basically a large art gallery where every level has some sort of art. There's one section of dungeon that's all Picasso. And Picasso huh. references. There's another one that's Salvador Dali. And so it's like... I've actually seen the movie Anshan Andalou, so I actually got half the references in that one. And, huh. and then different, different house, there's a all the dungeons are based on classical Japanese um, science fiction and uh, horror literature. Which I learned a lot more about trying to figure out what these dungeons were talking about. <laughs> Someone had a, had a passion on this dev team. Oh, um, special, um, special help, or uh, actually... Listed in the credits for special contributions were two of the major members of Red Company. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. It slides into place. Yes. So it's... But yeah, the, the last... The uh, second to last chapter of the game is you attempting to escape the the Blue Man or the, the, the Fifth House after tricking it into eating something that was not you. That's fine. Just just leave it to someone else. Yeah, and getting your friend, um, your current party together and trying to escape, while the the maids, the cook, and the butler, who were all helping, nice and helpful with you for the last six chapters, are all now blue skinned, red eyed freaks of nature who are just happy to try and slash you to ribbons. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's one freaky one. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Let's see. Can I beat that one? I'm concerned if you can. <laughs> I don't disbelieve that you can, but I am concerned. Okay. Uh. Okay. Uh. Pal Shinken Densetsu. Huh. Don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, I've complained about its end game before. Um, oh, possibly. Yeah. So your main character is a puppy dog. Specifically, he's a puppy dog who is being cared for by this wonderful, nice little girl who also happens to have potential psychic abilities. So she has been kidnapped by the Nostradamus Society, um, and the, the seven lucky the seven lucky gods of Japan have picked up the dog and his friend the cat uh, to go through some divine trials to decide who will be the champion to go back to Earth and rescue the girl from the Nostradamus Society. Yes. Um, yeah. And so the Nostradamus Society is very interesting, and I wish they all got more storyline to each of them. Because I would really like to see more about, for example, Colonel Galileo and his Four Moon Super Sentai Squadron. Or, or Brother Darwin, the mutant druid. Or, um, who else here? Um... Lieutenant Aristotle and his mind control shampoo. Um, they're all named after famous scientists and philosophers and things. Naturally. Yep. Yep. The Wright sisters. Yeah, things like that. Not all <laughs> of them are the same gender as they used to be, which is kind of fun too. Uh, Madame Newton and her anti-gravity apple. Wow. She, um, she floats upside down, hanging from her apple. I, I won't question it. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that game does absolutely nothing to do any of these characters justice, and then it just That's goes true. to pot in the last section. Yeah. Heavier to pot. Yeah. It gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, anything else going on? Yeah, let's see. Uh, we have a long question from The Madness. Oh, wait, this is probably a few questions. The Mania and the Madness? Seems like you missed my stocked questions from the Discord. I'll repost the actually interesting ones there. Did we miss these? Thank you, dude. Uh, what do you think the qualities of the ideal comfort RPG are? Those games you go back to when you just want to feel comfortable and not worry about it too much. Um, something with an interesting battle system that's more than just press A to continue. Mm. Uh, something that doesn't wear out its welcome, so don't ideally don't be 80 hours long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've got some fun, some that ones that I really like that are, in fact, possibly 80 hours long if I actually finish them all the way through, but... Yeah, I played yeah. more just for the fun of trying yeah. to beat and going through the battle system again. And yeah. For me, like a good comfort RPG should uh, either incentivize replay by virtue of having like a few different like loadout options that are interesting, or just 
just by being breezy enough that I don't have to think too much about it. <laughs> you should really try Maple Story RPG. One day. Yeah, I'm. I'm not talking about the the online game. I'm just talking about yeah, the. Yeah, I mean, game. I assume you mean the DS one. Yeah, I mean that one was pretty breezy. Each story took about ten hours. Each character had a completely different play style, and they had a four-part interwoven um, plot hmm. that crisscrossed at random points and only really made sense when you played the entire thing. <laughs> <coughs> you got any uh, suggestions, Wheels? Uh, I mean, for me, it's usually something with a lot of busy work. I don't necessarily mean, like, say, a farming sim where you're literally doing a lot of busy work. I just mean, like, say... Kind of grindy. Uh, not necessarily grindy, but, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example to describe this. Maybe something... I mean, obviously something like Persona, where you have, like, a daily schedule and, you know, you're working on different... Uh, social links and things like that or just even just like a strategy RPG where uh, you've got a lot of things to do as far as leveling up units or getting new units and stuff like that just kind of something that has a lot to do and it's you know I can just pick up and you know have something to do right away and not have to try you're like a story-heavy RPG where I might have to try and remember where in God's name I was in the game or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like, something, like, for example, I picked up, like, uh, a Fire Emblem game recently. Was it Shadow Dragon, which I hadn't played in I have no idea how long, and was able to just... Uh, kind of continue on because it's like, okay, here's the next battle. Here's the units you have. You can go to this shop, these shops. It was like just easy pick up and play. So that's that's kind of my comfort food. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. And occasionally something with actual farming busy work is fun, like Rune Factory 4. <laughs> Just waiting for Rune Factory 5. Mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, me tapped for that. see what the next part of the next question here is what kind of rpgs are the most replayable and why uh, the genre isn't exactly known for replayability but uh there's those few standouts i think um well i mean some stuff i've already mentioned about having a good battle system that you enjoy yeah. messing around with especially <sighs> some puzzle or other interactive elements that goes a long way to making it replayable yeah Uh, stuff with New Game Plus that isn't super long, like, say, Dark Souls or something like that, 
those can be relatively replayable, like just going through the game um, slightly overpowered or just kind of continuing on in a harder mode with your same character, stuff like that. Uh, but I mean, you aren't wrong. <laughs> I could tell you, like, say, trying to replay something like Tales of the Abyss. It's not so easy when the game is way too long and spends like the last 10 hours uh, dragging you along a story that should have been over already. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the ones that I can say the ones that definitely are bad at being replayable are anything that artificially extend the length of the game for the purpose of just making the game longer. Yeah, this um, guy. Yeah. Wow. Harsh. Actually, there. actually uh, <laughs> other than five, I have finished the storylines in 3, 4, and... Dimension 2. D2. All were under 40 hours. In fact, 3 and D2 were each right around 30 hours. Mm-hmm. So, to the point where I've actually replayed 3 more than once, so... Hmm. Uh, but 5, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> um... It's really good. Um, and the other thing I would say is anything where it's impossible to see like all the story elements in one playthrough, be that because it's like time-based and you literally can't see everything, or just if it like splits off in different path paths at points. Yeah, stuff like that. Those are always good for replayability especially if it's something like let us cling together where the paths can get d wildly divergent yes i i remember <laughs> one instance where i went through the same replayed the same conversation tree i think four times to see if i can get could get an important character not to commit suicide <laughs> and eventually i was able to find a path where they did not but uh i think you sacrificed a lot along the way. Um, I mean, no, no. This was just redoing one conversation tree. <laughs> <laughs> like there were three, or there were like three different ways where it ends with her killing herself, and one, maybe more, where it ends with her not. You found a lot of ways to get it wrong before you found a way to get yep, it right. That is correct. It was interesting. That that is a uh, that is a game. I, I need to play some more of that now. Why don't you go play some more of that once you're done with three houses? Well, once I'm done with three houses, I'm gonna play three houses again. So, but with uh, speaking of replayability, yes. Oh, speaking of that, I'm most of the. I think I'm most of the way through Tauria's playthrough on Saga Scarlet Grace. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, Previous plays through with different storylines have all reached the same mid-game issue, which I finally just resolved by taking out the same du small dungeon over and over and over again like 20 times. <laughs> it's just, um, I mean, same issue that a lot of Saga games have where the enemy the um, enemy stat growth goes faster than yours. It, 
And so in the middle of the game, it seems like everything is a lot harder than it should be. Mm. But since all your characters gain, most of them, they usually gain hit points and sometimes skill levels after each battle. You just pick one battle that you know that you can beat pretty easily and that you need the rewards from to buy stuff. So you can upgrade armor as well. And you just keep doing it over and over again. Mm. In, in spare time, so not all the same day. No, oh, you go crazy. But yeah, I'm doing a lot better on this thing now. <laughs> so, of course, the the point I needed to get past for that bump was um, a battle with a phoenix. So I needed to make sure everyone had, or my party had the highest um, heat defenses that they could, which meant I needed a lot of water element materials to begin with. So, which is why I was farming that one, that one mine so much. So keep this in mind whenever the game comes over, Wheels. <laughs> yes, I, I wish we'd hear some more, but I have not heard anything in a while. So it'll Need come. No, just, just want, let it be. I want dates. Give me a the dates. Never a watch pot never boils, Wheels. I don't know what I, I watch water boil all the time. That's a lie. <laughs> I'll fight you. <laughs> Okay. Any other questions? Yes. <laughs> As it so happens, let's see what the next one is. Uh, which RPG have you started the most times? I don't know if he means and not finished. I, I assume I'm going to assume that the end of that is not finished. Okay. Ooh, I'm not even sure here. Um, okay, of the ones I have not finished, Taisho Mononoke Ibun Roku. I think I've started that one at least once for every main character in there, at least once, maybe twice. And ended up with a similar issue to what I have with a lot of the Saga games, where the mid-game is a lot harder than it should be. Hmm. And I ended up giving up and trying something else instead. Yeah. Uh, probably FF12. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, definitely Tales of Vesperia. I, have started I think that I'm on three attempts for that, maybe four. Uh, probably around four as well. It just does not stick. It just never grabs you. Yeah. It's very pretty. Yeah. Especially the newer version, but eh. I mean, nice art can't save a plot that doesn't really get you. And a battle system isn't interesting enough. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, sometimes this does work out, though. I mean, like, way back in the day before I got into the Yakuza series, I probably made, like, three or four false starts on Yakuza 1 before finally finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was broken forever. <laughs> Just a completely destroyed human being. Uh, but, yeah, like... Generally, what causes this for me is a game that a lot of people like, but that I've never really gotten into, so I'll like keep trying to get into it and see what people like about it, and then I'll get ten hours in, and it won't hold my interest, and then I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the tradition. 
see. You want to move to the next? Sure. Uh, do... If you knew someone who had played video games before, but somehow hadn't played an RPG, but was interested in trying one, what game would you suggest to them uh, for their first one? To make it a little more even, let's say the person is either a late teen or adult, so we can rule out small children and the elderly from the equation. That still, like, relies heavily on what do they already like. Yeah. Final Fantasy IV. That's a good one. Fair choice. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Shining Force Two. Yeah. Interesting choice. It's uh, straight for the strategy RPG. Yeah, as long as you don't play it on hard, it's relatively easy and straightforward and. I think it kind of introduces a lot about obviously it's got like overworld exploration so you get a taste for that but also strategy RPG battles and the idea of classes and stuff it's kind of got a lot of like core RPG concepts in a nice little package so I think that's a good one so I'll just make everyone play Paper Mario 1 it's a good choice simple but it has depth and it has kind of the more uh, breezy progression that Mario brings along Oops. Oh. Mm. So, sorry I stepped away for a moment which game were we talking about this time uh, we were just thinking of something an RPG that's good for introducing people we all suggested Shining Force 2 I suggested Paper Mario yeah Paper Mario would be a good one yeah, I mean, don't want don't want anything with too complicated a subsystem. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it has the addition of like there there are subsystems you can mess around with, but it's kind of how much you want to bother with it. And it also has the action elements that can make things feel a little more interactive for new players. That being said, I can see Final Fantasy X as a good recommendation as well. Uh, it's got a fair bit of strategy, a fair bit of. Uh, it's nice and linear, though. And nice and linear, strong story, and fairly <coughs> clear on what things do what. Yeah, plus you've got the the turn order loadout that makes things nice and... Yeah. Cause and effect is easy to measure. Yeah. I thought it was a good one. Um, for the younger kids these days. Final Fantasy fifteen. Try this, kids at home. The early parts are very open world, which is something younger kids have probably played a lot the of. The new generation. The new generation has played a lot of. Uh, and it introduces a lot of um, core Final Fantasy monsters and music. And I think there's enough in other other than being a very good game itself, there's enough in there that would make somebody want to go out and like explore the series. Teach so, the children to love Garuda. Yes. So I, I think that would be an interesting one to suggest to people. And obviously being action oriented, probably an easier sell than something turn based for the younger kids who don't understand such things. Mm -hmm. To rule our peaceful creatures. I mean, if we're talking like a younger kid, I'd even say like Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. 
Oh, that's a good one. I mean, my brother was able to play that when he was seven. Yeah, it started me off. So, I mean, true, anyone much older than that is going to get start getting bored and annoyed and other things, but for younger kids, it's a pretty good starter. Got a good soundtrack, too. Yeah. I had a great soundtrack. I still remember it. Um, <coughs> All right. Any other suggestions? Oh, top of my head. All right. Next question from Budai. People often ask for a classic Final Fantasy to go back to a medieval setting, but was Final Fantasy ever really a medieval setting, and which ones nope. are closest to it? Well, I mean, one has you go to the castle in the sky that's thrown to space and all the remakes. <laughs> so, Final Fantasy One is basically Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the video game. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, it ripped off the entire Fiend Folio and Monster Manual to begin with. That's why we get some of the interesting bosses we have. But so um, it's it's riffing off of a genre which at that time already had modules like Into the Borderlands. Yeah. which was all about a dungeon that turned out to be a buried spacecraft. Yep. So it's always had that strand of sci- science fiction admixture into it. D&D fans turned out to also often be sci-fi nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you end up with having killer robots in one level, or a floating palace, or airships that were taken or with designs taken straight from the wood prints of a Jules Verne novel. It'll be nice to warm back. Yeah. So all sorts of things. So, yeah, that's, that's kinda in the series DNA from word the word go, and I'm trying to think of ones that don't at least dabble in it. I mean they all have airships, so we're going to have to discount that at least. Yeah, I'm discounting yeah. airships. But if we're going to go with the most amount of fantasy, then probably either two, one, two, three, or nine. Yeah, I was going to say nine. I mean, is four as well. It does make you way. go to another planet anyway, though. Yeah, that's, yeah that's but I mean, but we're also saying that this is coming from, this is also coming from the culture that has a, an actual fairy tale about a princess coming from the moon. True, true. <coughs> Uh, I'd probably I'd probably hedge on two if you force me to. I mean, yeah, four four had some open four side the way to the moon. Last session, but yeah, it was all yeah. like Magitech stuff. Yeah, which is often what ends up happening is that like, oh, it's science, but it's powered by magic. <laughs> Before we even get into Final Fantasy VI, which is steampunk and magic. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of any others that are like more fed. Like, there's the multiple worlds aspect of three, but they're all magic. If we jump into side entries, you could say um, Crystal Chronicles, the first one. Fair. That one has... I don't even think that has an airship. Don't believe so. 
Yeah, no, Crystal Chronicles might be it. Yeah. But, I mean, to the overall point, I... I think people that ask for that are kind of hearkening to a history that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Final Fantasy series has been changing a lot over the years, so... Since the first game. Yeah, so... Maybe it's just not for them anymore, I don't know. It's okay for a game aimed at uh, teenagers to not be for you as an adult anymore. Yeah. I think that can be hard to acknowledge, that that you are no longer the target demographic. I know I'm not great at it either, but... Yeah, I think... It's a useful exercise to spend time reorienting yourself. Yeah. It can be hard to even figure out, like, why... This, why does it feel like this isn't for me any bef- anymore? And it's probably where some of these arguments come from. Well, it's not fantasy anymore. It's like, well, if you really thought about it, it never was, friend. Like, I mean, even, like, hearkening back to something Gaijin brought up, like, an hour ago, but uh, a lot of this is also that those old games have a lot of personal interpretation that people have hewn so closely to they don't remember it's not actually in the game. Right. Like it's, it's just like, so, so when they look back at those games, they, you know, they see all the things that they find appealing in it. And a lot of those things are things that they added to it and they can't divorce themselves, divorce their perceptions from the things that they've added to it. So it feels more like the game is still aimed at them. Hmm. Sounds a bit like some of the uh, ways that interpretations of Star Wars have grown. Yeah, a little bit. Where, where you're not thinking, oh, this movie sucks. What? What you're thinking is, um, like, oh, this character was so awesome in all of the tie-in books that I read about him. So I'm Why going to really do this to Boba. Yeah, or Boba Fett, or Darth Maul, or any other random character. Yeah. Where they had almost no screen presence in their their original incarnation, but they suddenly became super beloved because of all the adjunct They're material. Right. Yeah, and or being just a striking uh, visual design. Well, I mean, they got all the extra material because they were striking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, people invest themselves into fiction, and then they can't quite tell where the fiction ended and they began. Yeah. I mean, like I like I mentioned earlier today, it's... I. I have situations where I know I ended up interpreting a huge amount of the plot in the game, and yeah, I liked it a lot more than other people did. Yeah, that's that's why I had thought to bring it up is that you had brought up that like you you recognized that you had done this, but I think a lot of times people don't actually recognize that they've done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember um, like in college when I was playing Wild Arms Two, it was not my copy of the game; it was a friend's copy, and he. He just couldn't stand even getting through it, so he relied on my summaries of the plot to, for entertainment. That's getting your money's worth, by hook or by yeah. crook. Then I took advantage of the rename practically everybody in the game system. <laughs> so the only character in the game who did not get renamed was the one who was labeled as slightly dopey and or dozy, who had the same name as a stoner who lived down the hall. <laughs> It's like, this is just too perfect. 
Scott? Is that that kid? Yes, actually, that was him. <laughs> I remember him. And I also remember him because he and his friend are for some reason named after Marvel characters in the English version. Because <laughs> there's Tony Stark and Scott Summers just hanging out. I just forgot like, their last names. <laughs> yeah, they're barely mentioned, and I have no idea why they did that. Why not? No one will sue us. <laughs> hey, we got Biggs and Wedge in a different game. Yeah. I, I still appreciate... I, I'm still not sure if Woolsey didn't realize what they'd done, or he was just trying to be careful when he did... Uh, when FF6 called them Biggs and Wedge. Uh, more likely, he just didn't realize. Yeah, probably. I'm, I mean, if you look at... I mean, just looking at like monster names, especially in the the '90s, where you could tell the, the guys in charge of translating had no idea again that they the designers had taken most of these monsters from Dungeons and Dragons, to the point where a lot of those monsters got redrawn in remakes to make them less obviously infringing. If and if the uh, guys doing the redesigns even realized it, um, but like uh, Ochul. oh yeah, the the mon the monster plant thing. It was originally the Otyug. Yep. O-T-Y-U-G-H. There's no way anybody would have guessed the original spelling of that monster from the Katakana. Yeah, once you transliterate that back and forth, it's just like, well, this is completely unrecognizable. But, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, I've seen in different games, I've seen Hudra, I've seen Go-Rem, I've seen Y-Ban. Oh, Y-Burn. Uh, yeah, Y-Burn. Um I've seen it for a lot of different monsters. Some of which the translators probably should have known anyway. It's actually... Harpy, uh, instead of Harpy. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. Harpy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, weirder ones like, uh, I mean, Bahamut. Huh. I don't remember seeing the mistranslations of Bahamut. Oh, I mean, that's actually one that didn't get mistranslated, but it was one that was oh. very obviously a Dungeons & Dragons insert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because where, where else would you have heard it except for the Monster Manual? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, oh, what was a really weird one? Okay, the next one that comes to mind wasn't actually from Dungeons & Dragons, but it had to be renamed in Wild Arms 3. Oh, boy. The Graboid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think they spelled so they it renamed backwards it or something. Yeah. They just spelled it backwards. So, Wheels, if you ever wanted to do the Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon game with video game companies, Wild Arms 3 is your connecting point. Uh, okay. Behold the Graboid. Yes, because the Graboids from Tremors are an actual enemy named as such in Wild Arms 3. Uh, it, like, it was fitting for the setting, but it's also just like, that's really indulgent, and you're, you shouldn't be surprised that there were problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as oh, ever. Yeah, I mean, you, you see stuff like that in Wild Arms or Metal Max or any of the other games that have a very specific feel to the setting. Yeah. So. As ever, uh, a good... Uh, way to get a feel for what kinds of flying blind translators were doing 
in the 90s. Uh, the Legends of Localization translation comparisons of FF4 and 6 are both very interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually kind of... I remember playing through Final Fantasy 4 and 6 in Japanese and being kind of disappointed with the, the Japanese, actually. Uh, <laughs> People, uh, I, I think... The, the knowledge that sometimes the translations were kind of faulty caused people to assume that the original writing was a lot better than it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the thing. Um, a lot of Japanese writing is much more straightforward or at least not as self-indulgently weird as American science fiction and fantasy can get. Yeah. So, And so... Yeah, I mean, obviously, Son of a Submariner was never going to be translatable into Japanese to begin with. Yeah. But I, I still remember um, this old indie games website that used to exist in Japan that I checked out occasionally. And they had an article on Carpe Fulger's translation of Reseteer. Yeah. And their top and the first thing they the very first thing they mentioned was, well, translation from Japanese. But how the heck do you translate? Hi to Capitalism Ho! <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. They were trying to figure out what it actually meant to begin with. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Any more questions involved here? Uh, I'm going to check the Discord. I think that was the last one. Uh, yeah, that was the last one on the last episode. Let's, let okay, well then, Wheels, hypothetical here. Uh, what would be your reaction if Square Enix announced a Saga collection similar to its second Densetsu collection? Um, when can I buy it? Sign me the hell up. How much that money? And, how much okay, money which, do you need? Which of uh, the Game me... Boy game versions do they have? <laughs> oh, crap. All right. Can I do my pie in the sky like ideal collection here? Go for it. Go okay. for it. Okay. So we'd have the Wonder Swan version of one. So you get mm -hmm. the nice coloring. And then um, some sort of ports of 2 and 3 from the DS, mm -hmm. but include the original Game Boy versions as well for completeness. Give some people, um, give people something to compare to so they can appreciate it better. Yes. <laughs> and, all right, so then we get into Romancing Saga. I'd want the PS2 remake on there. Give me that minstrel song. I don't think we need the original SNES version. Do no, we? we don't. Okay. Can't then, believe you'd leave the Wonder Squad out in the cold like this. And then obviously just get the the updated versions of 2 and 3 uh, yeah. there as well. And uh, that, that I don't know if that's, that's probably enough for one collection. But I would uh, certainly... Honestly, I, I'd be thinking they'd probably just have the, the Game Boy games probably, in whatever yeah. version for a yeah. collection. Because six games is a bit much, especially when they are currently selling one of those six for like two thousand yen on Steam. Yeah, uh, I, and I could, I could, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for them to port the remakes of Saga two and three. Um, 
they did for Final Fantasy three that ended up on like mobile. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember if the 3D version of four ended up elsewhere. I know we got some weird 3D remake of one of the Final Fantasy four sequels. So that's always possible that 3D remake of four got ported somewhere else, but I don't really know. But it's it's doable. I could see such a collection existing. I'm 3D not remake go. of four got ported somewhere else. What? I don't know if it did. The the 3D 3D remake of three did though. The 3D remake of uh, three freaking after years also came out on several yeah, things. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, 3D after four came out on Windows, iOS, and Android. Okay. There you go. So, uh, it could happen. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's not technically impossible. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but that's kind of what I would like out of, co- out of the collection. Just just give me the color version of one and then all the versions of two and three. Uh, all the versions of two, only the remake of three. Let me be very clear here. <laughs> they can keep the original version of three. Uh, also put Saga Frontier in there I don't care alright did we miss any questions on Discord not that I'm aware of but I haven't been checking I admit I've been very busy slash sick (laughs) let me just do a quick scroll no uh, Mystic Quest Legend. Bloody M3, making sure we covered his questions, which we did. Uh, so that's uh, that's it. That's all our question. That's all our questions. We probably missed somewhere something. But we also want to play some Fire Emblem. I do, and also Overwatch. What if one game was the other? Uh, what? <laughs> What if they were the same game? You can't cross the streams. I'm just saying, Wheels, what would you do? <laughs> Are you suggesting a tactical f- Overwatch spinoff? I mean, that doesn't seem like the worst idea in the world. People always wanted to make those characters... Like, people always wanted to ship those characters anyway. You can just use supports for that. I, I want this game now. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Sorry, it was easy. I want this game. I want. I want Overwatch Emblem. God damn it! Uh, It's that that SRPG maker that uh, exists in Japan that you can totally make Fire Emblem clones out of. It's time. Damn it! (laughs) All right. On that note. Questions, usual place, things, um, etc. Play Fire Emblem. Done any reading? Uh, I have not. Of course not. Okay. Uh, but I <laughs> am, am going away in a week, in which point hopefully I can do some reading. Yeah. Aside from Captain yes. Underpants to the children, right? Yes. Aside from Captain Underpants, which You've is... You've been leading a time. Which gets a bit exhausting because the the later books in the series are quite wordy. So uh, that is not a th- an accusation I ever thought I'd hear level level to this. It's true. Hey, we're talking about a series that actually makes a setup 
with the punchline, sorry, Rabbi, but tricks are for kids. Uh, yeah, wow. And also, Try I remember that one. I remember it's third, the third book basically having a light novel title. Mm-hmm. Well, part of the tenth novel is the, the character... <laughs> Let's talk about this for a second. The character of Professor Poopy Pants, now renamed as, uh, oh God, what is it? Tipsy Tinkle Trousers. Yes, I recall that. Yes. Uh, Accidentally going back in time to the beginning of time and causing the Big Bang. Wow. Yes. Yeah, that is very much a light novel plot line, yeah. I I mean, the, the... The first one where I saw the one I was thinking of when I was said some of them's titles turn into straight up uh, light novel titles is the third one is called Captain Underpants and the Invasion of the Incredibly Naughty Cafeteria Ladies from Outer Space and the Subsequent Assault of the Equally Evil Lunchroom Zombie Nerds. <laughs> yep, which is yep. getting into that territory. Uh, like I'm sure that so at the great. time, like I'm sure that at the time that was at least in part the author trying to see how much like text he could force them to put on the cover. I did not realize that these had just kept going. That's not <laughs> 12. Yep. Of them. Uh, and yeah. I hi- also highly recommend the Netflix series, which is currently on its third season. It's highly so it's entertaining based on the movie. I, I didn't even, even realize it had a Netflix series. Yes, it is not, it's not based on the movie or, and it is different from the, the books. It kind of has its own feel. Like, instead of Flipperama, it does uh, funny things. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Balloon Animal Orama with a creepy clown. Well, that sounds unsettling. Where the the narrator is talking about how (coughs) creepy clowns are the whole time. It's pretty hilarious. That makes sense, because that's unsettling. Oh, yeah, this isn't done in, like, 3D style. Weird. (laughs) That's that's the movie. The the Netflix show is, like traditional 2D-ish animation. Well, quote-unquote traditional. That's probably yeah. using one of those... Uh, yeah, one of those programs that every cartoon is made in now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really entertaining, though. It's got... um, uh, What's his name? The guy that played Samwise? Uh, uh, why am I forgetting? Mikey from The Goonies. Yes, he he is the narrator. Mm. Ah, perfect. So, yeah, it's it's just... It's, it's great. Highly, highly recommend it. I just looked up what he looks like now, and it's just like, oh god, <laughs> time actually affects people. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sean Astin, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Sean Astin, who has, who is uh, at this point a pretty prolific voice actor. Oh yeah, lots of great Ninja Turtles work. Oh, God. Oh, I'm just looking at, like, some of his voice credits. It's like, I didn't realize he was the guy that they got in to, uh, to replace Hercules' voice actor in the original Kingdom Hearts. How the fuck did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, now okay. I'm the one that's, quit, that's moved this to the 18-plus uh, section of iTunes. Here, I'll help you out. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, we should probably stop. Yes, okay. Uh, send us questions in Discord, uh, post comments or in the comment the section. Um, you're welcome to send me direct messages on Discord. Um, but if you're going to send questions, please at me, wheels, or both, so yes. that we actually have any <laughs> time spotting them. 
Yes, and if your questions get buried because there's conversations in the room, feel free to at, re-at them at us whenever we say we're recording or whatnot. Uh, we'll I, try to do that. Yeah, do not mind double questions, and I probably don't even care if we actually answer the same questions multiple times because we'll probably we've have, done it many times. In yeah, the past, we'll probably so. have different answers. So. Uh, yeah. Like at any point, all of our answers should be prefaced with like the magic eight ball. Try try again later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. And on that note, uh, peace out, folks. Okay. Peace out.